Welcome humans to episode two of the 90s hip hop show A to Z till infinity. This week's podcast is brought to you by the letters C and D and the number 69. Well, as Optimus Grime just said, this is episode two of A to Z till infinity, and we have reached the letters C and D. Well, saying that, we might not get to D in this episode, but let's see how we go. I'm your host, MC Dan Collicott, and I'm here with my fellow crew members, Dr. Sutherland and DJ Jazzy Mirza. <laughs> so, that. That's good. I like that. Are you funk all stars ready to do this shit again? <laughs> yes. Sure. Yes. What's the cool? There's got to be a cooler way of agreeing to that. But yes. Oh, that sounded terrible. So I think our '90s C list is a darn sight better than our A list. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go through them as ever. There's no specific order or preference to this, but. We have Cannabis, we have Cellar Dwellers, we have Common Sense, we have Coolio, Cypress Hill, Camp Low, uh, Capone and Noriega, uh, Capadonna, Charlie Baltimore, Chi Ali, Chino XL, Compton's Most Wanted, The Coffee Brothers, I mean, that's one I've literally never thought I'd ever read out, uh, Craig Mack. Uh, Crooklyn Dodgers, Chub Rock, and CL Smooth. And if, if I got any of the pronunciations wrong on those, then, uh, yeah, apologies. Um, so I'm going to go over to my man TJ. And, uh, yeah, what out of this uh, list of unlikely heroes, um, miscreants. <laughs> miscreants, resonated uh, with you during the 90s? So um, I'm actually going to start this off with by saying, my God, this was so much easier than uh, a um, from the last episode. That was that was truly rough. Um, but yeah, so some really big hitters in that list there. Um, you know, Craig Mack. Um, you know, Common Sense, Coolio, Cypress Hill. Camp Lowe, of course. I mean, sure, lots of people know all those names. But for me, um, CL Smooth um, was the one that kind of really stuck out for me. And in particular, CL Smooth's work with uh, Pete Rock. Um, Mecca and the Soul Brother uh, and Main Ingredient, both in kind of the early to mid-90s. Two incredible albums. Um, I think CL Smooth as well... Did, I think he was really underrated. Uh, his uh, his skills on the mic were just uh, totally underrated. And he had one of the, I mean, the guy's name is Hill Smooth for a reason. His <laughs> flow was, uh, is, um, you know, just phenomenal. His wordplay is, you know, incredible. Um, and it, it always felt to me like one of those rappers that didn't really get the... Um, appreciation for his skills as a, as a as a rapper as many others did at the time um i mean he hooked up with pete rock you know one of the greatest um rap producers ever in my opinion um and i kind of feel a little bit shortchanged that they didn't do more together but i think they had a falling out 
um, after their second album and didn't talk to each other for years for whatever reason. Um, but you know, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna give CL Smooth and Pete Rocker a shout out, the reason for that predominantly is for the most incredible hip hop tune, possibly uh, probably my second favorite hip hop tune of all time. Um, <laughs> that one. <laughs> 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 Although that sounded like a, uh, it sounded like a, like a trumpet, as a, yeah, <laughs> not the sax, trumpet. exactly. Yeah, <laughs> um, trumpet. <laughs> it sounded like the children's TV version of it. I just, exactly. yeah, I, I, I've been practicing six months on an actual trumpet for that, and uh, <laughs> so that, that sounded like remember that, remember that kid show Trumpton that used to be on like BBC when you were little, oh. um, and had like a really weird, had a weird trumpet as a thing. Anyway, we're we're getting of course. <laughs> sorry, sorry. So yes, um, one of the most incredible hip hop tunes, possibly my second favorite hip hop tune of all time. Uh, they're in Minnesota over you. Uh, Troy, it's just a phenomenal track, an incredible sample. The the flow, the lyrics, just every time I hear it, I get goosebumps. Um, I could, you know, it's one of those tunes I could never get tired of hearing or listening to. Um, it's just a phenomenal piece of work. And it's a shame that we can't play a sample right now because uh, we'll probably get struck off. No, that's <laughs> what happens to doctors. We'll probably get uh, in trouble uh, for licensing. But um, if you've not heard it, uh, dear listeners, uh, go out of your way to whatever music streaming service or head down to your local HMV. Probably can't do that. Um, but yeah, <laughs> have a listen to Pete Roxy Old's move. They reminisce over you. Um, just a phenomenal piece of work. And uh, for that alone, you know, that that would have probably have um, put Seal Smooth as my favorite. But the rest of that album's incredible as well. Mech and Soul Brother is the one with uh, They Reminisce Over You. Nice. Um, and Main Ingredient is their second album. Um, did it did really well. It didn't do quite as well, but um, there's some great tracks on there. Um, Got a love, take you there, searching. Um, again, incredible samples. Pete Rock is just an absolute magician uh, when it comes to production. Um, and then you throw Seal Smooth's lyrics on on top of um, Pete Rock beats, and you just got you just got magic. So, um, yeah, um, that is my C pick. Ah, that is a uh, pretty awesome call out. Um, Iman, what do you think about uh, CL Smooth? Uh, I, yeah, I'm uh, the song. I mean, Troy, all praise, love in the world uh, to that. I always get surprised. I always kind of forget that it's 92. Like, I can't believe yeah. it's, you know, as, as old. I would have thought, you know, a few years on from, from that. But mm. just the, it's a masterpiece of a song. I, I can't think what. Um, you know i because i'm always i'm a i'm an inlay card guy i've always have been so like from a producer perspective i can't imagine what it's like when you stumble onto it you know uh not just the sample but when you put the whole track together i what a moment that had to be um mm. just i think when pete rock i imagine he's done that and he's thinking if that's not gold then i don't know what is you know that's just <laughs> one of the, his signature tunes and he has an amazing catalog um as well i don't make it too much about pete rock obviously this is a rapid discussion but uh but yeah he is he's a masterpiece um 
uh, and just a shout out, you know, P Rock since then has done loads of uh, a good series of instrumental albums that he's done, which are just fantastic um, and uh, well worth people's attentions. But CL Smooth, uh, I do know a tremendous amount. Um, I have a good, I have a handful of songs like featuring that he did. Um, I've got a couple, a track he did on um, P Rock's first solo album in like 96, 97. Uh, it's a cool tune, actually. It was nice to see them reignite their chemistry on a track called uh, The Two or The Two. Um, mm. and uh, but yeah no CL Smooth yeah probably you're absolutely right probably underrated probably and it's certainly a shame that he didn't kind of come into his own beyond Pete Rock and CL Smooth like Pete Rock mm. obviously did so uh, but yeah, an absolutely a fantastic pick excellent um, well why don't we go over to our favourite robot uh, Optimus Grime to give us a few more facts on uh, CL Smooth <laughs> Corey Brent Penn Sr., known by his stage name C.L. Smooth, is best known as the vocal half of the hip-hop duo Pete Rock and C.L. Smooth. Alongside native tongues, he is credited as being part of the East Coast movement that delivered a more conscious style of rap, in contrast to the gangster rap stylings of the same era. In 1992, Pete Rock and C.L. Smooth released their acclaimed debut, Mecca and the Soul Brother on Elektra, and followed up with the equally awesome the main ingredient in 94. They are famous for collaborating with and remixing artists including Public Enemy, Heavy D, and EPMD. They even produced and performed on Run DMC's 93 comeback single Down With The King. Creative differences saw them split up in 95, but they have collaborated on a handful of tracks since. I can vibe with that. I used to roll with Megatrance until he turned evil. We still occasionally play badminton together. But sadly, I don't look as good in tight shorts as Imran. Right, Imran. So, what is your VIP for the letter C? Strong list um, that you uh, obviously that you've gone through, and um, there kind of no like clear winner for a while. Um, I have gone with uh, Common, who at this point was performing under the name Common Sense. Uh, for um, I think for all of the 90s in three albums as well his first album was released in 92 uh, his masterpiece which we can't really discuss too much was um, like water well, like water for chocolate and this is the album that made me uh, a really a diehard fan of his at that period of time but that album came out in 2000 so let's skip right past that uh, and just discuss that his <laughs> releases uh, but he, he had a good um selection of yeah three albums in the 90s he was already uh, connected to the roots and um had a, a few songs with them he's uh, my i did have a minor reluctance to include him um as great as he is uh, i think that 90s period for him is just a teeny bit divisive or he was a divisive uh kind of rapper he had quite strong opinions um he was noted for a few homophobic lyrics and some of his songs and there's um there's a line he has when he guested for the roots uh for their things fall apart album i believe 99 um it's it's a really great song that he's on it's called act two uh love of my life um and he's got a line in there that caused i mean to me i i don't know what's so strong about it but it caused the roots to include a line saying you know, in the inlay card, uh, these are Commons views, um, and 
not ours. You know, it actually, I can't, I can't think of a rap album that anyone's ever felt compelled to distance themselves from the lyrics. But, <laughs> and, also, but also, if if uh, if every rapper that said some homophobic or some sexist, misogynistic yeah. line uh, in the nineties was to get. Yes. The coals. There'd be no rappers left. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of true. Get, too. Like, it's it's hella awkward listening to some 90s rap nowadays. It's, it, some uh, of it is a bit extreme. It's a bad time. <laughs> yes. It, yeah. But well, the, 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 the line. The <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. It's way to get them to the messes. Uh, yeah. Well, there's, it, the list is endless. It's it's every everybody. Like, yeah, it's, it's, I can't think of anyone, you know, on that level of, of kind of uh, on that grand stage kind of thing that didn't have even yep. just a, a backhanded kind of um, uh, kind of comment about, I think Common said for one of his lyrics that he got caught, he pulled up for was, uh, there's rumors of gay rappers, just don't come around me with it, which isn't necessarily the worst thing someone could say, but it, it did draw yeah. uh, quite a strong, but the, the line that he said on the Roots album was, um, I think he was referencing his own fan base and he was just saying, all I get is coffee shop chicks and white dudes kind of as fans and for some reason that was wow. proved to be quite a strong to the point where the roots said look that's his opinion these aren't these don't reflect our views and i thought wow there's something like particularly severe about that that i'm not too that i'm not really getting um i'm not sure yeah what well, but it, it seemed to be a divisive line for him but yeah i kind of look at his, his some of his 90s output as just a little bit divisive and a little bit um yeah probably inappropriate at times but he's amazing uh, you know um uh a, a, you know an incredible rapper he has some wonderful wonderful tunes and um uh yeah I, he's he's the person um that kind of i think for our c discussion he's yeah the the person that i would have to cite uh as being um the the gentleman on that list i would wave the flag for the most it it's interesting because nowadays I feel like there's a lot of TV series and, and probably films as well where he plays the same character, which is oh, like yeah. a, a kind of security guard or a heavy or right. or a, or the the hired muscle yeah. in an action film. I do not uh, wave the flag for him as an actor. Yeah, <laughs> typecast, you say? <laughs> Surely not. A little bit, but um, yeah. So, TJ, what what do you think about Common? I mean, it's a, tr- it's a tricky one for me because, uh, as um, Imran kind of alluded to, I know most of his stuff from post kind of two thousand. Mm, yeah. So I don't really know much of his nineties um, stuff uh, per se. I mean. You know the stuff he did um, afterwards, like you know, like uh, like Water Chocolate, that sort of stuff. It was you know, guys, guys got an incredible flow. It's very intelligent, um, some incredible lyrics as well. But yeah, I mean, nineties common, not really that well known to me. I'm not, I'm not, gonna, mm. not gonna lie. But you know, as an artist, um, you know, very good. I'm not gonna say too much about his acting because. Uh, <laughs> It's us, but you know he's um, <laughs> he's uh, he's doing he's doing his thing, man. He's doing his thing. Fair enough. <laughs> I'd say I'm not. I, I've never really been a common fan. Uh, I don't think I've ever uh, really followed his work, which is quite criminal. But I did, as as a kind of point of conversation for this, I did 
revisit some of the the 90s stuff and even the later stuff and i was like okay this is uh there's some there's some quality uh tunes here i don't know how i sort of missed the boat on that but it is weird how you have these gaps in your library of artists and you think okay why didn't i if i listen to all the almost some of the related artists that he kind of heavily collaborated with etc etc you think well why didn't i Listen to Common, but yeah, mm. a bit of a strange. That's that's, that's a that's a common theme actually, because that's something that this doing this series has made me kind of when the list is generated, I'm like, oh yeah, I don't really follow X person. She needs to take out their stuff. So nothing else. This is making me kind of really um, expand my horizons. Yeah, and and make jokes like it's a common theme, which I enjoyed. <laughs> Do you know what? I didn't. I I'm such a comedic genius. I, I dropped that, and I didn't even realize I dropped it. So, <laughs> roll. Well, it made sense. It did make sense, and um, I believe made common sense. Thank you. That, that's hey, what, I, I was aware. I was aware of what I was doing. <laughs> but I think yeah, we can please, have, please uh, edit that out. That's terrible. <laughs> Before we drop any more, let's go over to Optimus Grime, who I believe is uh, good friends with Common. He loves it. Lonnie Rashid Lynn, Jr., better known as Common, was the first hip-hop artist to win an Academy Award, Grammy Award, and an Emmy. Common's father was a professional basketball player. He originally performed under the name Common Sense, but in the 90s he shortened it to Common. After a band with the same name sued him, more recently, he transformed himself into an actor and has starred in films from John Wick 4 to Suicide Squad and TV shows, including Silo and Fraggle Rock. If you look as badass as common, you can definitely dance your cares away and still keep your rapping for another day. I'm sorry, I really can't believe I have to read these terrible jokes till all are one. Okay, so... We're doing pretty well here. I think um, let's kind of hit up my choice, uh, which is the... um, Dan, what's your choice? Well, I'm glad you asked. But it is the the titans of hip-hop, the powerhouse of cartoon violence and drugs that is Cypress Hill. More drugs than violence, but sure. (laughs) Well, yeah. Um, I think... um, I, I kind of fondly remember being at school. I must have been about oh, 13 or 14. And uh, funny enough, as you said, HMV, I think I actually went into HMV and I bought um, Black Sunday. And I also bought the the, fun, the first Funk Dubious album. So, uh, yeah. Oh, man, I was going to mention them as well. Funk Dubious yeah, <laughs> awesome. Lose points for that. But... Yeah, I think it, they were very much, um, I guess, in in a in a good way, a gateway um, group. As I, as I feel like, I, I properly started to get into hip hop about that time, and listening to Cypress Hill, they were they were so bombastic and accessible with such great samples and such a a weird vocal dynamic. I mean, even to this day. You just don't get <laughs> one guy rapping and then every uh, and then another guy emphasizing that rap uh, with with a couple of <laughs> you know repetitive words um, 
I don't know if we should do impressions. We probably no, should. no. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I think they were they were very kind of you know cartoony. You know, they were also um, they had that kind of um, that they had a, a bit of a, a different vibe to them back then, um, and. You know, even through to the sort of late nineties and, and noughties, they kind of they, they sort of fizzled out a bit. But I, I did also enjoy the fact that they, you know, they did things like Rock Superstar. You know, they they were quite happy to do crossovers. They did a lot of movie soundtracks. I, you know, I know I go on about the Judgment Night soundtrack, but um, oh, yeah. yeah, they they were just one of those groups I loved, and I, you know, and, and discovering. Uh, the the first album as well going kind of going backwards and thinking okay this is this is awesome as well you know and and I said like in terms of being recognizable send dog and be real you see them in anything and they are just you know even when they're they're appearing in the Simpsons that that kind of they're they're very heavily parodied but I just love the fact that they're two of the most recognizable hip hop artists you know they're you know, obviously have a massive, you know, Latino background. I think, yeah. I think they're both kind of, well, I think one of them's Cuban-born, one of them's uh, Mexican, and I think DJ Muggs, who also got a shout-out, he, he's, uh, you know, incredible on, you know, production. And he's, I think he was, I think he's Italian-American. He was, like, about as gangster as you can get if you, define your your gangsters by the godfather movies but um <laughs> but yeah um yeah i think you know from my from my childhood one of the one of the groups that i really as i said it it it, it felt like they were the uh the candy before i started getting into the main course you know maybe the starters is is, is a better look but definitely i found myself you know getting into hip-hop um, as a result of of Cypress Hill, and uh, yeah, let's not talk about funk dubious, but um, yeah, it, <laughs> yeah, let's not go there. But insane, How do you be? <laughs> insane in the brain and ain't going out like that. They were so heavily on rotation on MTV, mm. and you know, I know we always kind of quote that period, but um, and um, how how I could kill a man as well. Yeah, that used to be on yeah. loads. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I mean, TJ, what what are your thoughts? Are you you a uh, Cypress Hill addict? Yeah, well, <laughs> addicts maybe not so much, but um, but yeah, I think I think you summed it up quite nicely. Like they were they were real. Um, they're like the bombastic sound, and they, they were they were in a sea of um, like super talented creative artists at the time. They really kind of stuck out uh in terms of obviously they're super talented as well but they really i think just predominantly from b reels um uh like vocals and his style was just so it 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 teetered very close to being annoying but he was good it was just good enough at it that he managed to pull it off and not because it it almost sounded a bit like a parody the way he rapped to a certain extent yeah um but it was yeah no it was um super creative and like the 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 beats and that 
you know, it, it all kind of flowed into the whole kind of stoner um, kind of personnel that they had. Well, personnel, they were stoners. But, um, but yeah, it kind of, all of it just kind of worked really well together. And then, like you say, a lot of the crossover stuff that they did and then, like, the movie soundtracks, um, you know, they really kind of, they, they brought a lot of fun into uh, hip-hop, I think, um, just because they it felt like they didn't take themselves too seriously and as much as, you know, from the streets and all that kind of stuff. But it was still, there was still a kind of um, cartoonish, fun aspect to, you know, uh, uh, to, to what they did. So, um, yeah, and also they brought uh, Funk Dubious into the world for us to enjoy. So, you know, that's... That's a uh, that's a big win, but yeah, no, I um like you, I, I I've discovered um, Cypress Hill predominantly through like MTV. Their stuff was on rotation all the time, always on your raps. I think they appeared on your raps like in interviews and that, possibly more than um more than a uh, Public Enemy, and they were always on there. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, of uh, of the Hill. Actually. Public Enemy is a good uh, comparison, isn't it? If you think, what do you mean? well, if you think of like, you have one guy. You know, oh yes, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah, it's, one, one wacky guy and one 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 wacky guy and one straight guy, basically. Pretty much, um, yeah. it feels like they they obviously. I don't know if they actually subconsciously or purposely went that route, but it is quite funny how they're they're quite similar. Um, yeah. But um, Mr. Mers, what what are your thoughts on the Hill? I'm afraid I'm not very well versed on them at all. Oh. I knew the big songs. Oh, I'm not hating though. But uh, I knew a lot of the the big songs. I purchased the uh, CD single of uh, Rap Superstar. I've got a bunch of featuring um, um, that the featurings that they did. Uh, I've got. Can I call of... out something? Can I call out something? You said Rap Superstar. Rock Superstar. No, no, no. There's, there was a rap superstar, wasn't there? You're correct. There, there yeah, were yeah. two different versions. I think yes. they're the same, but they actually released rap superstar for the rap crowd and rock superstar yes. for the rock crowd. So, yeah, sorry. Weird. It is on the CD single. Yeah, both are, I believe, on the CD single. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, but, but, but I have some, I have featurings. I've got more probably be real featurings. I've got him. I think the first <laughs> song I might have got was the uh, Monstar Anthem. Do you, is anyone familiar with the Monstar anthem uh, from the Space Jam soundtrack? From Space Jam, yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant tune. Um, yeah. Red Man, no, not Red Man, big part. Method Man, Coolio, Buster yeah. Rhymes, LL Cool J, and Be Real. Um, so, uh, but yeah, that's that's kind of my. I, I don't have any. I just I just never explored the, the the group much beyond what I was just hearing as such. You know, I didn't get. I've never had an album and. Uh, no, that's that's kind of it, really. Can I um just take a moment to shout out the second to last album that they released in 2018 called Elephants on Acid, purely <laughs> yeah. for the name of the, the title of the album. That's all. <laughs> well, well, this is a, a kind of consistent thing with them. Their their albums became more and more ridiculously named because I think it was only their third album. I could be wrong, but. They they definitely had an album called Temples of Boom, which yep. you're you're already kind of in territory you probably shouldn't be. But yeah, Elephants on Acid, that's um yeah, that's special. I keep trying to practice the noise he makes, you know, the <laughs> 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 
<laughs> Please <laughs> don't. <laughs> yeah. Red, red card on that. Um, excellent. Well, let's one more time go over to Optimus Grime, who can kind of fill us in with some actual Cypress Hill facts. Cypress Hill are a Latino-American hip-hop group formed in 1988 consisting of Cuban-born rappers Send Dog and Be Real, who also has Mexican ancestry, alongside the Italian-American DJ Muggs. The trio fused their contrasting vocal stylings with a gangster and marijuana West Coast hip-hop style, whilst mixing Spanish and Latin slang with bombastic beats and classic soul, jazz and blues samples. They are probably most famous for highly quotable kick-ass singles such as How I Could Just Kill a Man, Insane in the Brain and Throw Your Set in the Air, and also for mixing hip-hop and guitars on tracks such as Rock Superstar and I Love You Mary Jane, alongside Sonic Youth, a song taken from the Judgment Night soundtrack. Cypress Hill were the first Latino-American hip-hop group to go platinum and multi-platinum and are going strong even now. So kick that style, wicked wild, happy face, human, never seen me smile. Whip that mainframe, I'll explain. A robot like me is going insane. Right, hang on, we're we're doing we're doing pretty well here. We're 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 kind of attacking at pace. So um, actually, starting let's let's go reverse order. Imran, mm. do you have some honourable mentions from the C list? Um, I definitely want to uh, shout out Craig Mack, um, uh, Bad Boy Records rapper, obviously very, very famous for his uh, Flavor in Your Ear uh, track, uh, more notably the remix. Again, an amazing, uh, amazing lineup. Uh, Buster Rhymes, LL Cool J, Biggie, and uh, Buster Rhymes' cousin Rampage uh, on the track. Such a wonderful, wonderful tune. Great, great video. Um, yeah, he was down for early days with Bad Boy Records. Uh, he also has a brilliant Q-Tip remix uh, of Get Down, which, my God, mm. if you don't ha- have yeah. not heard it, absolutely you got to buy it. Uh, well, you can't buy it, actually. Just do, do whatever you need to do to get it. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, the Q-Tip remix featuring Q-Tip as well. It's just brilliant, brilliant tune. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a shame. I, I always thought Craig Matt was going to go on to do much more um, uh, than sort of he did, which is uh, a shame, but, you know, a brilliant uh, a brilliant rapper, really, really cool, had great moments in the 90s, kind of resurfaced um, in like 2004 or 5, but um, uh, kind of re-signed to, uh, to Bad Boy, but for some reason the record never materialised. Um, so, uh, but yeah, I definitely wanted to shout out Craig Mack. Um, actually, I'll, I'll throw to, I think Tej wanted to shout out Craig Mack as well. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, not much more. I mean, the not to uh, address the, uh, well, I'm going to address the elephant in the room. I mean, we I think we all know why he didn't really progress further than um, <laughs> his, his obvious talent uh, showed was because, you know, there was a another uh, rapper that kind of broke through I, I don't think he did much though he was he was quite small but anyway we'll get we'll get to him eventually um but yeah no it's, it was a shame because uh like you say his, his you know, flavor in your ear and the remix and um his um album uh project from the world was actually uh pretty good mm-hmm. um but hang on hang on yeah. so you're gonna have to point out because i've got i'm clueless so what what happened here who, who is the smaller rapper that 
did him a disservice. Oh, it's just um, a little known guy called, um, I think it was uh, Notorious B.I.G. I don't know if you heard of him. Um, he, he, was, no. he was also on uh, Bad Boys Label and um, yeah, unfortunately for Mac, I, to me, it's just, it was just a case of, you know, being in the wrong place at the wrong time. I think if he'd have been perhaps on another label or, you know, had come out a couple of years earlier, um, he could have perhaps built up a bit of momentum before, you know, Biggie came and kind of took over. But yeah, I, I mean, you know, I don't think anyone's going to try and dispute that Biggie was a more talented rapper. Um, well, Craig Banks' album was released a week after Ready to Die, so oh, I mean, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you just set yourself up for failure there, really. Didn't you? Yeah, um, yeah. I, I mean, that kind of says it all, really. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's a real shame, and um, and unfortunately, um, he passed away in 2018 as well. Super young as well, I was like 47, same age as me. Oh shit! Mm. Um, <laughs> so. so um, yeah, so it's a it's a it's a shame that he didn't um, manage to kind of really take off, but unfortunately, wrong place, wrong time, mm. wrong label. Um, you know, so he didn't really get a chance to kind of really capitalize on um, the hype that he first broke through on. Uh, yeah, it's, it's um, yeah, quite a sad story in hip hop. That one, I guess, really. Um, so TJ, another one of your honourable mentions, despite the fact they've only had one song ever, is the Crooklyn Dodgers, I believe. Haha. Well, Mr. Colocott, <laughs> I uh, I refute your claim that this uh, this pick has only had one uh, release because they've actually had three. Or albums or songs? Songs. So <laughs> okay. So right. <laughs> Brilliant. I uh, so. Uh, so this is one of my favorite. So okay, the band I'm talking or the group I'm talking about um, is Crooklyn Dodgers, and they did uh, a song called Crooklyn in 1994 for um, a Spike Lee movie called Crooklyn. Funnily enough, um, and it always struck like I always loved the track. Um, it, you know, and the, the guys that I mean, it's a proper super group as well. You had. Buckshot, Master Ace, Special Ed, um, and the track was produced by Q-Tip. I mean, that's a that's a hell of a hell of a crew to to do a track with, and it's an it's an incredible track. Samples are great, you know. Buckshot, Master Ace, Special Ed, really really super talented rappers. Um, so yeah, so it was one of my favorite tracks at the time. However, there was um, there there have actually been three versions of this group, so. First, the the first collective collective was Crooklyn Dodgers, as I just explained, but then you also had Crooklyn Dodgers '95, um, and they were that was composed of uh, Chub Rock, J. Rue the, Dam- the Damager, and OC, and that track was produced by uh, DJ Premier, oh. um, uh, and um, and they did a track called Return of the Crooklyn Dodgers, um, and that was also for. Um, another Spike Lee film, so kind of um, <laughs> noticing a pattern here. But then there was uh, also a third <laughs> Crooklyn Dodgers called Crooklyn Dodgers 3, um, and that was with uh, Jean Grey, uh, Mustaf, and Memphis Bleak. 
And um, yeah, they did, um, it was a track that they did on, um, I forget the guy's name, um, Ninth Wonder. Um, and they did a track, I, I, I don't know how they got the rights to use the name or how that all works because none of the people that were involved in Crook and Dodgers 3 had anything to do with the other two groups. I'm not even sure if that names, I, I don't know how it works anyway. But um, but yeah, so they did um, a track called Brooklyn in my mind. Um, so I just I wanted to give a honorary mention to them because I love the first um, uh, I love Crooklyn as a track. Uh, everyone go out and give it a listen. It's a it's a really cool, smooth um, hip hop track, um, and I just thought it was an interesting tale of uh, how the Crooklyn Dodgers were formed and then reformed and then reformed again and had three tracks it's like you put together this incredible super group but then just do one track each time so amazing okay well i'm gonna give a honorable mention in the form of coolio who obviously you know very sadly um is no longer with us um but yeah i think when Fantastic Voyage was the first track um, that Archie really kind of um, loved and, and kind of followed. Again, it's an amazing video on um, on MTV. Uh, obviously, I think most people kind of, you know, most people's kind of experience with Coolio was um, the song Gangster's Paradise taken from Dangerous Minds, the film with, uh, is it Michelle Pfeiffer? Was it Michelle Pfeiffer? Yeah. Yeah, Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah. It's a kind of uh, uh, teen high school drama. But yeah, I, I don't know. I just really, I, I really loved, um, yeah, I really loved his stuff uh, at that time. Um, he, he just had a, a different again uh, it, it's kind of interesting that he, he he was sort of a slightly more sort of positive upbeat vibe um you know he he was a a pretty cool character uh but it definitely had his uh demons and issues mm-hmm. um in fact i'm going to quickly defer to optimus grime to give give us a bit of a a more layered rundown on coolio Larger-than-life G-Funk rapper, TV, film star, and chef Coolio is best known for hit Grammy award-winning single Gangster's Paradise, taken from 1995 high school film Dangerous Minds. A year before, he released Fantastic Voyage from debut album It Takes a Thief. The accompanying video was classified as an escapist flight from black urban poverty. Coolio battled asthma, drug addiction, and spent some time in jail for larceny and possessing illegal weapons. The West Coast hip-hop star released nine albums before his untimely death in 2022, leaving behind six children and a large collection of snow domes. If I die before my time, I hope someone will still play with my He-Man figures. This might be controversial, but... I'm not a fan of Gangster's Paradise. Do you know what? I was at the time, but now I feel like it's got a little bit too much. Uh, yeah, I wasn't at the time either. I was, there was, I don't know. It was, 
Yeah, something about it just didn't sit right with me. I don't know why. I mean, it was nowhere near as bad as Arrested Development. We're not going to start on that again. <laughs> but it was... Uh, I wasn't a fan. Okay. Uh, Iman, were you a, a Gangster's Paradise fan? I was. I loved Gangster's Paradise. It was a great song. I, lyrically, yeah, I, I think it's you, a really I good song as well. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, why did you know I would? What does that mean? That's, it's not you know why. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not going to explore that any further. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what's going on now. I think I've lost you it. Neither you, do think, I, but... you think about what you did. <laughs> Hang on, uh, TJ. Did you like Amish Paradise, which was the uh, weird Al Yankovic parody? I, I, I like that immensely more than uh, Gangster's Paradise. <laughs> And did you know, seeing as you both seem to, I, I feel like the, the, there's not a podcast that goes by where you uh, don't talk about Space Jam. So did you know that he was on a... <laughs> One time that's happened. Every, every week. Every, every week. Just every, every week. week with a Space Jam. Fucking love it. Something, something ah. Bugs Bunny related. But yeah, uh, there was a, a track called Hit em High. Um, oh, yeah, 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 that's, yeah, that's that was the Monster Anthem. That was the Monster Anthem. Yeah. Oh, okay. It was the same one. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I hit him high, hit him high, hit him yeah. high. Yeah, Kudio's in it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he did. Uh, was it one, one, two, three, four, and too hot, too hot with the too hot. Yeah. Cool with, with the guy from Cool in the Gang. He was in the chorus of that. Wasn't he in? Wasn't he on Big Brother as well? Yeah. You Big Brother. Yes, I think he was. Yeah, holy smokes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd love to be in that, in that casting room. It's like, yeah, so who should we get in this year? Um, yeah, um, Coolio. Yes. <laughs> Boom. It didn't go well at all. I don't know if we want to explore that, but it didn't go, do, is that right? Did it not? It didn't I, go well for I you? don't remember. I don't, I don't uh, know. It, it went well. Didn't, did uh, Cisco also do it? Why have yeah, I? I think he, you know, I think he might have done. Yeah. That sounds about right. I mean, when when we get to F and we start having to talk about Flavor Flav and all the wow. shit that guy's done, but Oof. we don't want to. Let's not use up our our energy on that. <laughs> Oof. Speaking of uh, Space Jam, I wonder if Optimus can give us some, uh, oh. some fun facts about Space Jam right about now. So TJ, you hire a mind a thousand times more powerful than that of any human to dispense facts about a film starring Michael Jordan and the Looney Tunes. Well, I never back down from a challenge. So on the soundtrack, aside from the Monstar anthem Dan has clearly never heard. Oh, and by the way, the song Dan clearly meant to call out was The Winner, which was Coolio's solo track contribution. There were also two songs by R. Kelly, one from D'Angelo, and everything from hip-hop, heavyweights, salt and Peppa, Biz Markie, and even Jay-Z on this crazy record. There is even a track called Basketball Jones, featuring unlikely music buddies Barry White and Chris Rock. They should have called this soundtrack Space Jam, because these guys were smoking something special when they agreed to make it. So I think um, I haven't really marked this guy out as a um, an honourable mention, but I feel like we're all kind of Wu marks for the Wu Tang Clan, aren't we? Hope I have that right. Yeah, obviously Capadonna, the uh, the unofficial tenth member of 
<laughs> of the woo. He was on a lot of collaborations. I think he, he kind of, I think he actually appeared on the solo albums. He was on Raekwon's um, Only Built yeah. for Human Links. And then I think he was on Iron Man with Ghostface Killer. And it was only maybe like, um, I'm going to say uh, Wu-Tang Forever and Iron Flag. and No, no, Iron Flag he, he wasn't on because he did fall out with the RZA uh, mm. in the middle of all this. But yeah, he... It I mean, is a, who didn't fall out of at some point. Well, yeah, it feels like this was a time where they were all arguing about royalties. So I think RZA later clarified that he is actually an official member of uh, Wu-Tang, but only since the album Eight Diagrams, which is like, wow, I mean, that's quite a... I don't know, it's, all, it's almost like an honour and a diss at the same time. It's like, okay, Eight Diagrams, which was 2007, but everything else, it, nah, he wasn't. He was he was kind of there, but he was just hanging, <laughs> hanging on. So I was I thought that was a bit strange. It's like, well, really, he wasn't because he kind of was there, but not official. But okay, okay, Rizza, just hanging out. Yeah, I, I'm not I'm not a super fan of his solo work. Yeah, not really. Yeah, I mean, I I didn't really follow any of his, any of his solo stuff. I mean, there were like fifty bajillion like Wu-Tang solo albums at one point. I mean, trying to trying to track and follow all of the various Wu-Tang solo albums was harder than trying to follow all of the MCU's TV <laughs> shows and movies. I was going to make an MCU connection, actually. <laughs> so, haha. Um, so, <laughs> so, yeah, no, Capadonna kind of slipped under the radar for me a bit. Iman, your feelings on the cat? Yeah, uh, I, I, again, I, I echo Tej's uh, comments. I, I, I have, I, you know, if I sat down and looked at how many Capadonna songs I have, like featuring, I, I imagine it's it's more than I would have, uh, say, realized. But uh, it's not uh, specifically a, a, a rapper I, um, I, I investigated um, more so. Yeah, I don't know if you, you guys have watched the any of the documentaries or the kind of. TV series that they that they did, but anyway, apparently he was meant to be in uh, the Wu Tang from the start, but he went to prison, and that was when he kind of got replaced by Method Man. So, yeah, wow, yeah. If he hadn't, that, that worked out all right. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, so yeah, if that hadn't have gone that way, he might have been an official member a lot sooner. Final call out again. This isn't someone who I've um followed looking into him. There's a lot of interesting stuff. I mean, it's actually Iman, it's one you had, which is cannabis. It is a really interesting story, and I remember hearing it as it was unfolding at the time. Uh, it's it's sort of all it's completely stupid, um, and it's just a really kind of interesting sequence of events that sort of shouldn't have that none of it was needed but it was kind of uh he's probably someone who delved for glory uh and in in the wrong way and uh yeah he's probably more so a cautionary tale but he had all the promise and potential in the world i think well he he seemed to fall out a lot with people like he was because Wyclef Jean was I think mm. kind of produced on the first album and then he fell out with him and, and was dissing his own album, which is just bizarre. Hmm. The, only, the only song I know 
of of his was second round KO. KO, yeah, that's the only one everyone really. Yeah, we all know it, it had Mike Tyson on it. We all know second round KO because it was a a diss record aimed at LL Cool J. Yes. Um, yeah. So that's that's why, and that's you know what I mean. LL Cool J takes great pride in <laughs> you know believing he is the one who ended cannabis's career. Oh. Um, but who, I mean, who, who could really know? But it was such a funny, because there is the LL Cool J album, Phenomenon, which has a song, a brilliant tune called 4321, uh, produced by Eric Sermon, featuring DMX, Redman, Method Man, and a fairly newcomer in cannabis. And, you know, that's a great gig for him to have got, an awesome tune. Um, and apparently in the studio, cannabis was saying like LL Cool J famously has a, a tattoo of a microphone on his arm cannabis was like this that's so cool that's so cool I'm gonna get one I'm gonna get one and LL Cool J was like no it's kind of my thing you got to get your own thing etc etc LL Cool J apparently wasn't present when cannabis recorded his verse but he recorded his verse and said something about this microphone on the arm blah 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 and LL Cool J took it like oh he's going at me he took it personally so he recorded a verse that was basically the recorded version is is the diss that he aimed at cannabis but so somebody tried to get in the middle of it and say look this is a bit silly so that person reached out to cannabis and said look hello cool jay's taken offense to your your verse would you mind re-recording it and he said oh my god absolutely i didn't mean any disrespect at all so he recorded re-recorded his verse but ll cool j did not re-record his verse so the verse of uh, in the song that is out there it's a bit of a dick move but the the verse ll has used is the cannabis diss verse uh, where he ref- references the mic on his arm, and so he doesn't never never says his name, but it is the dear same that cannabis. When cannabis, when the record comes out, word as these things tend to do, word spreads, and cannabis then records second round KO. LL Cool J heard that the record was coming out when it was produced by Wyclef as well. He ran into them at some public function and managed to corner them both and say, please don't put this record out. I am on the verge of, he was making moves into Hollywood and films and TV. Didn't want the stigma of engaging in a rap battle and anything like that. And he apparently begged them, please don't put this record out. Let's all do a song together. I made a mistake. I was angry and I've acted badly. Please don't put the record out. Cannabis apparently relished relished having him in the palm of his hand and just said no i'm putting it out so he put the record out ll cool j responds immediately with i think called the ripper strikes back or something like that and he savages him but then he also famously includes the line you you run around town with that bob marley imposter (laughs) why clef takes huge offense and then he makes a diss record aimed at ll cool j which has the chorus What's Clef got to do? Got to do with it? <laughs> like, what are you bringing me into? It's getting so stupid now. But he's like, what are you bringing me into it? So he disses LL. LL then does a diss record on on Wyclef. Time passes. Cannabis. I don't know what happens, but he sort of fades away. LL Cool J takes credit for it. Him and Wyclef become friends, <laughs> and cannabis is left out in the wind. So it's such a bizarre but funny kind of situation, but I don't know. None of it really needed to happen. I, I actually have a brilliant quote, one of my favourite hip-hop quotes ever. 
to do with cannabis. Um, Because apparently, you probably know that you both know this already. He quit, um, you know, quit hip hop, quit music when he was 28, which is around uh, 2002, and joined the army. (laughs) So he joined the army. Yeah, okay. It's it's just brilliant. I couldn't believe I stumbled across this. And uh, he then, uh, to, to, to actually quote him, he said, I wanted to do something that gave me a separate definition from what I had done all through my teens and 20s. And then, so obviously, he's in, he's in the US Army. And two years after he joined, he was kicked out after being caught smoking cannabis. But <laughs> <laughs> of course. Just like, I mean, damn. Oh, my God. So good. Um but one of the other things, um, you know, talking about, I don't know, parallels with Crooklyn Dodgers, um, he was also in a uh, group, uh, I don't know if you call it a super group, called The Horsemen. I don't know if either of you guys have heard of that. Um, no. Ferramonk, uh, Common, funnily enough, uh, Rakeem, and Killer Priest. I was like, what the, f- what? Oh, what is quite that? Yeah, um, I don't, I don't know if, how much output. I don't know if it was three tracks or an album, but yeah, uh, that was uh, that was quite random. But um, so there's there's five, five um, what five tracks or five members? Members. Uh, yeah, horsemen are typically four, right? Isn't it? But well, <laughs> yeah, that's even more ridiculous. But. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I think Killer. I don't know if Killer Priest. It was on Killer Priest's label. I didn't even know Killer Priest had a label, so I don't know what point Killer Priest was an active member. Um, so maybe mm. not at the start. It's so confusing because you know the world of hip hop. Things get endlessly re-released, and you get versions and remixes, and people come in and do you know different things with the, and don't ever change the song title it's, it's like naughty by nature i feel like they've re-recorded several of their own songs with with different uh well yeah th- the same lyrics but different vocal versions of them and it, and it, it's it's just i don't know that that is definitely the world of of hip hop isn't it? it it's just non-stop tinkering and and re-releases and kind of fucking around with your back catalogue. So it is quite difficult to trace when everything actually first happened. Um, okay, well, is there anyone else on the list uh, that anyone wants to kind of call out or or talk about? I mean, I feel like the, the Coffee Brothers, there's, there's something big. Oh, actually, no, there was one that really confused me. How can there be a hip hop group called Compton's Most Wanted that isn't NWA? <laughs> I mean, that's a very good point. <laughs> um, okay, I'm I'm guessing there's no other, no no takers for any other uh, uh, groups and artists in the class of C. Yeah, I think we've done a done a valiant job of. Uh... Covering most of the bases, we have. So, what do you think? Do you wanna do you wanna power on through to D? Let's do it. Yes, Am I? You ready? Yeah, absolutely. Are you wearing your big boy pants? Hang on. 
correct. Now I am. Excellent, excellent. Right. What you were in before? Don't little answer girl that. pants. Girl <laughs> pants. Literally just said don't answer that. I am feeling erect. Right. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. Start with the D list. Uh, Straight into the D. Let's move on to the D. <laughs> so uh, we have uh, D Nice, The Brat, Das Effects, Dale the Funky Homo Sapien, Diggable Planets, Digital Underground, Dilated Peoples, uh, Diplomats, DJ Clue, DJ Quick. Actually, they don't really count because they're DJs, so let's ignore them. No, DJ Quick raps. Oh, okay. A lot. Okay, yeah, yeah. he's a rapper and producer. But um, I don't know. DJ Clue, does DJ Clue rap? Uh, I don't know about that one. But um, we'll check back yeah. on that with, with, with Optimus Grime. Ernesto Shaw. Born January 8th, 1975, and better known as DJ Clue, is not a rapper at all. He is an American disc jockey, record producer, radio personality, and record executive, according to his Wikipedia. He has remixed and produced tracks for artists such as Missy Elliott, Da Brat, Jay-Z, Faith Evans, Method Man, Nas, and Mariah Carey. DMX, The Incredible Dr. Dre, De La Soul, uh, DJ Jazzy Jeff, and the Fresh Prince. That's dodgy, that one. Uh, it's well. not dodgy at all. <laughs> Sorry, I just, I just wanted to make you squirm, that's all. Uh, Death Squad. Um, who put Daddy Mac? Is that, is that, is it, is Daddy Mac part of... Um, Crisscross. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, right. I, and then you got, and then you got Mac Daddy. Uh, and finally, Domino and Doug E. Fresh. Uh, let's go straight over to my colleague, TJ. Uh, what is your choice from the letter D? Oh, man, I went first, last time. No, not really. Um, <laughs> cool. Well, I mean, again, another pretty impressive list. Actually, it's not that impressive list. <laughs> no, it's, um, it's, it's quite a pretty strong list, but I mean... I think we can all agree there's only one name on there that kind of stands head and shoulders above the rest, and that would be the great, the legendary, the incomparable Daddy, Daddy Mac, Mac of Crisscross. <laughs> I mean, the guy is just an exceptional techno. As soon yes. as you picked this, I was like, my God, that is literally a whole episode. Uh, I'm not going to lie, I do feel a little bit like a bit of water I can chew with that choice. <laughs> But um, I shall try to succinctly cover as much about the incomparable Dr. Dre, um, also known as Andre Rommel Young, as uh, his government name. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, going back to um, NWA, um, one of the pillars of uh, hip-hop in the late 80s, early 90s, Moving on from NWA into um, the Chronic, uh, the stuff, obviously, Death Row Records, um, everything he did with, uh, you know, uh, Tupac, um, the work, obviously, you know, introducing us to the likes of Snoop Dogg, moving on through to Eminem. Um, the guy released a, you know, Incredible entrepreneur, incredible producer, uh, not a bad rapper. 
um, <laughs> um, produced some of the, you know, seminal hip hop albums um, uh, through the 90s and 2000s, Chronic 2001, um, soundtracks as well, Deep Cover, um, uh, obviously going back to NWA again, Straight Out Compton, 100 Miles and Running, um, just, yeah, uh, the guy is just a, an incredible talent. Incredible businessman as well. He managed to shill headphones, really crap headphones, to a generation of people, <laughs> and uh, and then sold them on to Apple and made a truckload more money. I don't know how he pulled that one off, um, but yeah, just kind of really uh, pioneered that West Coast G funk style, which is, I think, probably of all the subsets of hip hop music and uh, and sorry, rap music and hip hop, I think that. G-Funk sound um, that Dre kind of pioneered um, is probably one of my favourite styles of hip-hop, I think. Um, And again, you know, it it came at a time when I was a skinny, impressionable little 14, 15-year-old. Hang on, TJ, was there a time you were little? (laughs) I was very skinny when I was in my teens. And then I ate a whole person and then became as fat as I am now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just 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 an incredible, incredible talent. Um, it, Snoop Dogg is one of my favorite rappers of all time. And, you know, that um, Doggy Style album is one of my favorite albums of all time. Chronic's an incredible piece of work. Um Again, like Dan said, we could have a whole episode committed purely just to Dre and all his various, you know, uh, achievements musically. Um, and he got quite sick um, a little while ago, quite recently, actually, a few years ago, um, kind of disappeared um, from the public eye for, for quite a while, because I think he was, he was uh, quite sick for quite a while then. Uh, there were fears that he, met, that he was quite close to... Um, reaching the end of his mortal core but luckily he's uh he managed to get himself healthy again and um had that incredible halftime super bowl show um with uh eminem snoop um i think 50 was in there as well um mm, yeah. mary j blige <clears throat> mary j blige um yeah the whole bit so yeah, the guy is uh, just phenomenal, and I'm glad he's still with us. And um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see. I'm not sure what he's doing now. I mean, he's earned <laughs> he's earned enough money that he can kind of just chill now for the rest of his life and not do anything. But he's got such a creative creative spark. I'm sure that um, he'll probably get something on the go again at some point. Um, but yeah. Um, Again, trying to keep it succinct because, you know, the guy's got a storied career that, you know, spans, um, you know, four decades now. So, um, but yeah, um, I think that's, that'll that'll cover it for, from my perspective. Imran, uh, do you want to chime in? Yeah, hard to... I mean, there's, uh, hang on, I've got like eight things I want to say. Um, it, he's probably got one of the most incredible reputations and legacies, I think, of any 
any artist in in hip hop. I think uh, for his name to carry still the the weight that it does to have a a label in off in uh, it's one of those American words you can you say English it sounds terrible aftermath <laughs> aftermath um, to have a label that houses uh, well himself uh, Eminem Kendrick Lamar and Anderson Pack I mean that says everything about his current status and contribution to uh, contemporary hip hop. Um, uh, for me, uh, I know everyone goes crazy about the chronic. For me, it was chronic 2001, uh, released in 99. So don't cut me off then. Uh, but I adored, no, I, I just, I adore the record. I just, to me, it's just on a production, uh, basis. And I think the sto- not the story behind it, but the story behind it in that it was a record. I think that he needed to be successful. I think, uh, after leaving death row, he did his best to kind of distance himself from gangster rap and it, he wasn't generating success as a result. And I think chronic 2001 apparently was him making a decided return to, to kind of that genre. And he, he needed the win, I think for his label to, to take off and for his name to continue with that weight, he needed it to be big. And I mean, that's just an album I mean, God, I mean, every, everything on that could have been a single. It was just so, so good. And he produced the whole thing with a uh, a producer called Melman, who they were together for a bit, but then they just sort of, I, don't know, I guess, went separate ways, which is such a shame because I think the music they made together was phenomenal. Um, but something you said, Teach, I, I mean, I don't want to go off topic too much, but it's we're having a 90s hip-hop discussion, so I think it's pertinent. But mm. you, you mentioned you cited him as being responsible for that G-Funk sound. I mean, he's also very responsible for just gangster rap in mm, general. Yeah, and true. there was someone who I remember, I'll never forget this. Somebody on OK player message boards, they were debating sort of uh, Dr. Dre's legacy. And someone said, it sounds a bit extreme, but in a way it's kind of spot on maybe in a way. Um, but they had said they'd never forgive him it, it, because he single-handedly handed hip hop to the beast. And uh, I thought that's such an interesting, I think it's an evolution that was going to happen. Mm. um th- th- that it would take that turn but i'm just curious to know what you guys thought about you know i mean what you thought about gangster rap in general what you think about that you know to to be responsible to be like the the, the forefather of that genre do you think that that's specifically a good thing or not <laughs> i think i mean from my perspective i think there there's a lot of um, there was a lot of stuff in gangster rap that <clears throat> kind of a lot of stories and and that kind of stuff that needed to be told. And I don't, I think if it wasn't Dre, it probably would have or potentially could have been someone mm. else. I don't, I, I don't know because it, it, that kind of stuff was kind of starting to come through um, anyway. And I think Dre perhaps kind of molded it. Into a more commercially, it, I think. yeah, a more commercially viable formula for that for for telling the, those types of stories. Um, but I mean that I mean that stuff was kind of out there with a lot of the street poetry and stuff that was coming through from like the seventies, the um, seventies and eighties. But yeah, I think you're, you're right. Dre and you know NWA kind of. Glorified it, made it a bit more cool, made it a bit more commercially viable, and 
you know, that's what caused the explosion of it, obviously. So mm. uh, whether that was a good thing or not, I, 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 I don't know. That's a, that's a tricky one. Mm. Wait yourself down, if I may ask. Well, I, I kind of think it at least started out to some extent as black protest music. Um, you know, it kind of ran alongside, uh, you know, Public Enemy and quite a lot of other artists of that time definitely more extreme and definitely i i feel like it's weird they they managed to ruffle a lot of feathers they managed to cause more outrage with songs like fuck the police and you know and obviously he was uh you know almost the conductor of a lot of that so it's interesting I, i i certainly know as a kid it was really funny when i had um the Chronic, that was the one album that I didn't really want to be playing when my mum came into the room. Um, you know what I mean? It was sort of like <laughs> trying to get into gangster rap when you're that young. It, it, it was quite difficult. Um, whereas, you know, I think, well, even then, I mean, even if you kind of look at the lyrics and, and what was going on with Snoop Dogg, it wasn't much better. It just it just sounded a little bit more kind of laid back. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a miracle that the guy has survived because if you think of most of the biggest kind of players of that period in time you know, the the, big, the biggest gangster rap aficionados, most of them have passed away or been shot. So it, I think it's a miracle that the guy is, you know, a multi-multi-billionaire um, and, yeah, has, has also managed to launch so many careers. But, um, it, yeah, it, it is... It, so many bad headphones. Well, yeah, God, I hate beats as well. But yeah, it is a bit like he, he you know, he, he kind of is the Oppenheimer of uh, rap, isn't he? Wow, that's a that's a brilliant <laughs> that's, analogy. Yeah. That's very it's good. Genius. <laughs> Let's skip on straight to Imran. Your choice. I thought the the D list was brilliant. Like there were so many, and I I, I agonized over this. Um, but I'm trying to. <laughs> There's a this, this is just like in the B conversation that we had, uh, where I was sort of divided between Black Thought and Buster Rhymes. So, uh, one is a posthumous look at you know who I listen to say now, and one is a look. I'm trying to put my head uh, into what I was listening to at the time and what had a bigger impact on me at the time. Um, and I I think what DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince were doing was really brilliant i think um i got into them through i say them i got into will smith basically from fresh prince of bel-air and then you know songs that was became a great launch pad for music that they were subsequently released uh uh summertime i'd you know argue one of the greatest hip-hop songs one of the greatest songs of all time it's just a brilliant sample brilliantly wrapped it's just brilliant really great great vibes it's the antithesis of dr dre and uh, that it's just purely positive no swearing it's you know it's it's yes yeah, the exact opposite uh, of, of hip-hop which is a credit to kind of hip-hop's range and I think Will Smith's probably the first kind of 
maybe hero. Do you know what I mean? Where you have that kind of role model and you look up and you just think this guy's just amazing. And I've, I've, I've always, you know, had a real strong affection for Will Smith and, and everything that he's gone on to do with his own, his career and just his, um, uh, his, his outlook and his perspective and just his genuine general kind of positive energy. I know everyone's let's skip over the elephant there, but um, I, I just think he's brilliant. I'm a diehard fan of uh, musically of DJ Jazzy Jeff. Again, not to go too off piste, but uh, the career that he subsequently has gone on to have post DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince is uh, mind blowing. Uh, but I, I, you know, Boom Shake the Room was such a great tune for me. I, I just went crazy over that song. I had it memorized. Uh, that Code Red album had a whole bunch of songs, uh, looking for the one, which was a Teddy Riley produced tune. Uh, there was just so much that album had Pete Rock on production as well. Uh, it's just, it, it's just such, yeah, it was just, it, it's, it's super just positive, good natured, fun hip-hop music and i think to another reason to kind of shout them out you know first rap act to ever win a grammy first rap act to get a, a, a two lp uh released as well i mean just um i just just yeah super cool super positive and uh just will smith jazzy jeff again as a combination uh just just wonderful wonderful stuff and now over to tj to completely ruin it ah Man, no, no, really. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, I can't dispute anything um, Imran said there. I mean, um, yeah, since uh, since its release, have you been through a summer and not heard the tune Summertime at some, <laughs> like, multiple times? Absolutely. Uh, you know, it's, and to have the ability to release such a timeless track, um, you know, that for, you know, some, like some people might turn and say, oh, they're, you know, hip hop light or blah, 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 whatever. But, you know, they, they never set out to be anything more than, than what they were. You know, they, they, they didn't try and act tough or, you know, and like, like you say, in a, at the time where, you know, gangster rap was really kind of taking off and all that kind of stuff, you know, they just kept it lighthearted. You know, Will Smith, you know, is a really good rapper Jazzy Jeff's an incredible producer. Um, in fact, I've I've got um, the Rock the House album uh, sitting on my um, mantelpiece at the moment uh, on vinyl. Um, awesome. And yeah, it's um, you know just a incredible talent. Really fun song. You know, girls ain't nothing but trouble. Um, uh, you know that that sort of stuff. It's just um, just fun, lighthearted. Um, yeah, great wordplay. Um, yeah, just a, a really fun time. <laughs> <laughs> is this, is this I, the way I would sum them up. Wow, I did, did not expect uh, <laughs> that from you, TJ. Okay. Um, better than Arrested Development, put it that way. <laughs> I'm going to reference that fucking group in every single one of these, I swear to God. Wow. Okay. I'm going to find a way to get them in. We've just unlocked. like a distant each time. You've unleashed something dark. Um, okay, well, I'm going to default my opinion to Optimus Grime, who is a uh, a massive Will Smith and Jazzy Jeff fan. So, yeah, Optimus Grime, tell them what you think. DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince were an American hip-hop duo from West Philadelphia, born and raised, consisting of rapper Will Smith and disc jockey Jeff Towns. 
Jazzy met Will at a house party he was DJing at. Jeff's hype man didn't show up, so Will stepped into MC and the rest is history. In 1989, the duo received the first Grammy Award for Best Rap Performance for Parents Just Don't Understand. They also won a Grammy for 1991 hit single Summertime, which is considered their most successful song ever. DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince became just the third rap group in recorded history to receive platinum certification after Run DMC and the Beastie Boys. They were active from 1986 to 1994. Then Smith began to pursue acting full-time, and the duo ceased producing music, although they have since worked together and claim they have never actually split. They were even sued by their record label Jive, who alleged that the duo was still under contract to create more albums. At a time when hip-hop was often defined by crime, violence, bitches, and hoes, DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince brought a more clean living style of rap, still utilizing classic jazz, soul, and funk samples, but swapping the profanity for positivity. Except that is if anyone talks about Will's wife. Okay, uh, right. He's a smart guy, that Optimus, I tell you. <laughs> I, I, lo I love his style. So, I would say this was a really difficult um one to choose from because i think there's so many kind of fringe artists here where they've i i've always liked one record or, or maybe one song and, and really wanted to jump in on that and then i thought okay trying to like uh deconstruct that a little bit more and say okay well not, not just one song not just an album let what, what's in it what's a career or at least a career in the 90s where everything that one of these artists or groups put out uh, really impacted uh, me at that time. And and I thought the one that I just couldn't get away from is um, Dale the Funky Homo Sapien. Purely because, again, um, the song Mr. Dobelina was heavily being rotated on, well, I think it was radio and MTV, and it was just such, uh, you know, a, a brilliant tune. And I think pretty much everything he's done, even the the, the more obscure kind of Deltron, uh, I don't even know, is it 3030 or 3030? I don't know how you pronounce his, uh, some of his weird and wonderful collaborations with Dan the Automator um, and Kid Koala. You know, he... He's kind of been everywhere and, and, and done everything. You know, he's, some of the tracks he's done with Gorillaz are just some of, you know, my favourite ever collaborations. You know, No Need for Alarm is, again, I, the, some of his, I think, at least three of his uh, earlier albums, there, there's not a bad song on there. There's, there's so much that I, I love about it. You know, that oh, I don't know what you'd really call his uh vibe but it, he, his vocal style is just completely different from anything else um you know he's had thousands of of other kind of mixtapes and um you know collaborations and soundtracks I, I really love the guy i think again like no need for alarm is which which kind of came out i think about 93 is one of those albums that 
I'm never too far away from it. It's on, it's always on a playlist. Um, and I'm always revisiting that. I, you know, I wish my brother George was here as a, a great album. Did he collaborate with, uh, yeah, he kind of got a bit of help from Ice Cube on that one because I think that was where he started off. He was, uh, writing lyrics for the Lynch mob and I think that's where he started off. Anyway, Op- Optimus Grime, can you give us uh can you confirm that and give us a bit more accurate information about Mr. Dell? Oakland rapper Dell the Funky Homo Sapien is the ultimate shapeshifter and king of collaboration, guesting with Gorillaz and part of hip hop supergroup Deltron thirty thirty alongside Dan the Automator and DJ Kid Koala and many more. Real name Taryn Delvon Jones. Del began his career writing lyrics for Da Lynch Mob. In 1991, with the help of Ice Cube, he released debut solo album, I Wish My Brother George Was Here, aged just 19. With hit single, Mr. Dob Alina cementing his hip-hop fame. Dell severed links with Ice Cube when creating second album No Need for Alarm in 1993 as he sought to spread his creative wings. Later he created independent hip-hop label Hieroglyphics Imperium, featuring Souls of Mischief, Casual, Pep Love, J. Biz, Domino, and many more. To date Dell has released 11 solo albums, not including his mixtapes, soundtracks, and collaborations. Awesome. So, uh, going to you first, Imran. Are you are you a big uh, Dell fan? Uh, you know, he's someone I've always liked. I have a, a good few songs, and not I've never heard a full album. Um, but I don't know if, if if I should should I take that one that you mentioned, um, my brother George, as my as my official induction. That was his first album, wasn't it? Yeah, I think. Is that the one to start with? You reckon? I think go go with no need for alarm. Ah, okay. And then go, and then go backwards. I think that would work. Uh, yes. Okay. But yeah, I've always I've always liked him. Um, I think he's Ice Cube's cousin. Yeah. Um. He is. Uh, but yeah. Um. Yes. Uh, the Gorillaz tunes I'm I'm familiar with as well. Uh. Yeah. No. Great pick. Really good pick. Out of the box pick. Nice. TJ. Have to confess. I oh. don't know. <laughs> I don't really know. It's it's one of those ones where he's a big name. Into you know, if you're a hip hop fan, you you've heard the name Del Del Funky Homo Sapien, at the very least. But I don't really know outside of the gorilla stuff. I don't really uh, know uh, much of his work. And I'd, like I've heard some of the collab stuff and all that kind of thing, but I've not really listened to any of his kind of solo stuff. So he's um, got about seven songs on the Space Jam soundtrack. Haven't you heard it? <laughs> Oh God! Probably has. I mean, <laughs> sure, um, <laughs> but um, but that's again. This this is the beauty of uh, this series. It's it's kind of um, making me go. Damn, I really need to catch up and um, mm. listen to some of the stuff that I'm missing out on. So it's good stuff. Mm. I shall uh, I shall do some some digging and come back at you with some. Uh, Del the Funky Homo Sapien facts and put Optimus Grime to shame. <laughs> I think I think the good thing is he 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 does some really weird stuff. I mean, he he does push the boundaries. He does kind of very you know the Deltron thirty thirty stuff. Yeah, it, it's quite different. He, he he definitely 
he's always kind of reinventing himself. Um, he's I think he had what at least three albums in the nineties, and he he's remained quite prolific and kind of in vogue. Like he's remained just about managed to remain um, relevant, which I think is one of the most interesting thing when you look at some of these, um, you know, groups and artists from this era is like, are they going now? Are they, you know, even if they are going now, are they, are they having any success? So Mm. he's one that I think at least he's managed to just about kind of uh, stick around long enough to be relevant. I mean, I guess he's still like really well respected in the industry, right? He's not, not, not massively falling out with anyone or pissed anyone off. So people obviously still want to continue working with him. Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, his his lyrics can be quite controversial, um, but he doesn't seem to have been um, been cancelled yet because of mm. some of the earlier lyrics that he's come out with. Back to Mr. Murs, are there any more honourable mentions in this kind of fairly decent list we have? Uh, yes, there's there's quite a lot actually. Um, I'll try and fly through them. Got a uh, but 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 uh, diggable planets. Now, uh, th- th- this is this is the kind of again I talked about earlier about the uh, Buster Rams Black Thought thing in that I, I became a Roots fan after the nineties. Diggable planets. Oh my god, I just I I adore them so much. They're they're obviously a nineties group. They have two albums uh, available. Uh, Reaching which was their debut uh, in 93. And then they followed up with Blowout Comb uh, a year later. Uh, that were the only two albums that they've released, uh, two studio albums. They have a breakout single, Rebirth of Slick, from the first album. I only got into them about six years ago. And so it, I really wrestled because with whether I should put this as my actual pick because I didn't listen to them at all in the 90s. So it just felt a bit, revisionary to, for me to basically cite this as my my absolute entry but um they're just it's just brilliant it's there's lots of kind of jazz samples in their music it's uh, again butterfly doodlebug ladybug mecca and ladybug mecca again just warrants just particular mention i think in the way that i cited baham bahamadia uh, a couple of in our, in our last episode she was just this brilliant Again, this sort of flip side to uh, a lot of the very, very, very popular and commercial mainstream rappers from like uh, Missy, uh, Foxy Brown, uh, Debrat, Little Kim, and Ladybug Megra is kind of the opposite of all of them. Um, just, just brilliant. Everything about this group, I just love. Uh, Guru from Gangstar appears on uh, the second album as well. Um, got a couple of cool names on that one. If you've never heard a Diggable Planets record, I honestly couldn't scream about. Each, either of these two records, probably Blowout Cone for me might might just tip it. But I, I honestly think if, if anyone, you know, if, if just even just the two of you, uh, if you've never heard a Digable Planets record, I just can't even begin to describe the absolute joy you'll get if you, you pick them up and just uh, just kind of just have fun with it because it's just, just great, 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 great hip-hop music. That's uh, my first pick. 
Uh, other one I definitely wanted to shout out, the brilliant Death Squad. Only one album to their name. Uh, it's Redman, Keith Murray and Eric Sermon. Obviously, together they've made so much music together with Eric Sermon as the kind of chief producer for both of them, mm. their records. Uh, there's so many features, so many guest spots, but they have one album where they all come together on a Def Jam release called El Nino. Uh it's really good. It's not. It's, it's not really the best representation of any of their work, to be fair. But it's cool that the album exists, and as a unit, definitely want to shout them out. And and uh, yeah, so yeah, again, so much love for Death Squad. And uh, one I this, we've not really mentioned, um, which I think is basically an honorable mention for us all. Because I don't think I think we'll wait for someone else to do it, but De La Soul. I was going to say, don't yeah. think, I know we've not we've not mentioned them, which is funny. But I think we've all got an unwavering devotion to 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 them, their wonderful music, and um, just was, yeah, I don't think it was much so funny. Look, said. It's so funny. I looked at the list and I was like, da, 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 De La Soul, yeah. and like no one's put their name next. So I was like, wait, what? How the fuck did that happen? I just thought everyone else was going to sort of do it, and it was it's an obvious one to pick. And, in a way but an amazing group again just you know part of kind of the uh the the native tongue stable just again great music great it's just all even now just to hear like a classic de la soul just pop on the radio like randomly it's just so much fun uh, Actually, great great band to be fair on the list above de la soul is dr dre and below it is dj jazzy jeff and the French <laughs> so it's no wonder we kind of glossed over that with those two heavyweights either yes. side i mean yeah, yeah. kind of makes sense <laughs> Uh, but yes, those are those are my picks. Yeah, uh, amazing picks. I mean, yeah, I I did struggle um, when I when I saw that De La Soul hadn't been picked. I was like, oh my god, how have we, how have we not, how have we how have we managed to like? Because it's shit. <laughs> <laughs> wow, okay. they're still better than the rest of development. Hey, there they but yeah, I mean, I kind of, I felt like outside of three feet high and rising, um, you know, I was, I was, you know, obviously that, that was one hell of an album, but I, I felt like I didn't follow them in, in any way like I should have, but yet everything else I was kind of listening to from, you know, uh, Jungle Brothers, um, Black Sheep, Tribe. There, there was so much crossover because you know the, the, mm. the power of the, the, the you know the native tongues movement, and then you know uh, this is why this is the only reason I didn't jump in with this one was it, it felt like it was a lot later in you know in the noughties, you know mm. that I, I kind of started to really look back and uh, and and kind of you know revisit um, some of the the incredible tunes um from the the 90s and early noughties and yeah so much um love for that groove i mean you know obviously me myself and i is one of the 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 most you know memorable um and well known but you know songs like buddy you know they did there's just ring 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 um, incredible song mm. you know so yeah i feel like uh, they they definitely deserve so much uh, love and obviously it's so so tragic that you know they're, they're they're no longer together it feels like them and beastie boys you know we've lost so many important artists in the last uh, 10 years 
I mean, I think just to piggyback off what you said, like you say, you know, I, I after three feet high and rising, my knowledge of the last hole gets a little bit murky. But and you're right, it's 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 one of those things, right? When you actually sit down and do a list like this, you're. I mean, everyone knows the big hitters, you know, of of the of that era around through the nineties. But then there's so many like kind of in between groups that were like on a, on a tier below the big hitters, like Adela Soul that was super talented. Um, yeah. That you know, if Tribal Quest weren't around, maybe Adela Soul would have would have elevated and and gone on to do much bigger and um, uh, more commercially better things. So that was a terrible sentence, by the way. Apologies for that. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so. Um, but yeah, super talented. Um, but yeah, I think it was just it, it was it was a great time to be a, a you know fan of hip hop because there was so much good stuff around. But that also meant that there were a lot of casualties for me personally. I'm sure there are huge Dallas Soul fans out there that you know bought all their albums and followed all their works and know their stuff extensively. That will probably be pointing a some sort of voodoo curse at me right now, but um, super cool group. Yeah. Because one thing we, we've we talked about a lot on previous podcasts, I think on our, on our previous sister channel, probably on Liberation Frequency, I think, we, we've talked about the fact that you, you can get a lot of bad hip-hop live gigs. But I, I wanted to just quickly shout out the fact that I, I saw, I was privileged enough, you know, before David passed away to have seen De La Soul four times uh wow yeah i mean it, we're, we're two of them were uh festivals when you remember the london festival which i think is i forget what it's now called but there was i think it was london and then brighton there was a couple of uh of festivals that they played at and then um i saw them twice at the jazz cafe I'm guessing one of them wasn't with you in, in, in by your reaction because no. I, I was trying to think who did, I, what? who did I go with? Did I, I must have gone to see Roots there with you then? Did I? No. Okay, so we just you were divided. We weren't in no. each other's lives ever. Um, no, this is getting weird. Um, yeah, <laughs> but, uh, Soul were absolutely uh, flawless every time I saw them live. They were just like the just so professional. You know, they 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 didn't miss a beat. Literally, I know that's a bit of a cliche, but yeah, just they were they were really fucking amazing live. So anyway, sorry TJ, didn't mean to that's throw right. off your mentions. Honourable mentions for me. Um, I'm going to go with Digital, Digital Underground. Why can't I talk? <laughs> my teeth and my tongue are just not cooperating. Um, Digital Underground, um, uh, my first pick for the honourable mentions. Um, again, one of those groups that didn't really kind of elevate to like that um, megastar status, but... I always had a bit of a, a soft spot in my in my heart for them, especially like um, Sex Packets. Their first album was uh, had a couple of great tracks on it, and, and again they were similar to like a Cypress Hill. They were just like a really fun kind of tongue in cheek um, group. Um, their lead lead guy Humpty Hump used to wear this crazy comedy nose and big glasses and stuff and it, it was all like their videos were just kind of crazy and um you know 
do watch like was a really fun a fun track and uh humpty dance was a really weird track but also a lot of fun as well and uh was also the uh emergence or the first time i think i can recall i was introduced um to a very young Tupac who was in the group or worked with the group for um, a little while when he first kind of broke through on the track, um, I Get Around. And um, uh, awesome, awesome track. And um, yeah, just uh, had a kind of uh, P-Funk kind of sound and quite uh, quite laid back, but also quite quite party-esque and... Yeah, a lot of fun. And um, but what I'm going to do uh, at this juncture, which is another reason why I like to mention them, is I'm going to uh, hand over to uh, Optimus Grime because um, fun fact about Digital Underground is they've had a lot of members. And when I say a lot, I mean a lot of members. So uh, Optimus Grime, can you tell us how many members uh, Digital <laughs> Underground have had? Uh, since their inception in 1987 to present. Gee, thanks, TJ. You guys certainly give me some fun questions to search through Earth archives for answers to. Computing now. Okay, got it. Digital Underground have had 39 members in their over 35 years of existence. These include Shock G, Kenny K, Chopmaster J, DJ Fuse, Jeremy, DJ Jay-Z, Jackson Tupac, DJ New Stylus, Cletus Klee, Mac, Mac, Two Fly Eli, Randy Randy, Brooks Michael Webster, Kent Racker, Nzazi Malonga, Shmoovy Shmoove, Ramona, Pee Wee, Gooden, Safir, Razzle, Dazzle, Essential, B-I-N-C, Young Mass Trace Ellington, Osha Savage, Metaphysical, Noom School, Mac Manempi, M, Stretch, Majesty Kalo, Dialect Lector, Eric Kenya Groove, Baker, Bonnie Boyer, Mystic, D.O.T., Ronitz Livias, Big Money Otis, Kim Morgan, M.C. Clever. I'll award points to anyone who noticed there are three people called Mac in this list. If I mispronounced any and you don't like it, get stuffed. I'm a robot, not Wikipedia. But yes, I think Dan might be Kent Racker. <laughs> anyway, so uh, I'll carry on from here. So yeah, um, Digital Underground, love them. Lots of fun. Bit weird, bit wacky, bit off the uh, off the wall. Had a, had a, like seven albums, I think, that came out. Um, really? Wow, that many? Did not yeah, know. They, yeah, they had, uh, they, had, they had quite a few. Um, but yeah, just a lot of fun. What do you didn't, think about that? Didn't... Um, uh... Is he is he called Humpty Hump or Young Hump? I can't remember. Or Humpty Humpty Hump or Stigger the Hump. No, um, <laughs> he he passed away, didn't he? Yeah, I think it was last year. Because we were really bad, as I said. Like it feels like since lockdown, we've lost so many great hip hop artists. But I absolutely adored. Uh, not so much the Humpty Dance because it was a bit, I don't know, a bit overplayed. But I uh, just very like, wacky. <laughs> yeah, uh, songs like "I Do What You Like" was, uh, you know, I like to bite, um, or sometimes I bite. I don't know if I've got that lyric right, but they, you know, we talked about alcoholics, and it feels like they had the same kind of fun, kind of party atmosphere, and they were all a bit. Uh, 
I don't know. They were just like the the naughty little boys doing all the school schoolyard jokes, and and nothing was kind of uh, off limit. Um, So uh, another one of my honourable mentions is the Mister DMX himself, angriest rapper that ever existed. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, DMX was at the time when he came out, he, he really felt like a. That sounded a bit weird considering his rapping style, but he felt like a bit of a breath of fresh air to a certain extent. <laughs> it sounds a bit weird, but again, kind of as he as he kind of broke through, and he was more he kind of leaned more into um, the two thousands. Uh, to be fair, um, as well when he kind of really kind of took off, I think. But like his first album, um, uh, name of which uh, escapes me. Why am I being stupid? Uh, was it just X? Was the first album? Um, uh, no, it's not. It's uh, "Dark and Hell Is Hot." That's the one. Um, that was a hell of an album, and it was aggressive. It was rough. It was dark. It was. It was. It was just basically like a punch in the face, essentially, um, repeatedly for you know many tracks. Um, but super super creative and um, I just remember just being blown away uh, the first time I heard it Um, and obviously he had a um, you know he had a few more albums after that which I don't think I don't know if they if he kind of hit as much success like sales wise with uh, with his later albums but he also branched into a bit of acting and that sort of stuff as well and um kind of uh, diversified a bit, but um, unfortunately, um, he also had his fair share of demons and um, kind of bounced in and out of jail quite a few times, had a few, uh, had issues with drugs and and whatnot. And um, yeah, unfortunately, he passed away in 2021, um, also very young, at 50 years old. So, um, but yeah, just for kick your teeth down your throat style of hip hop that he kind of came through uh with in his in his uh in his earlier earlier years um i had to give him a honorable mention and the last um honorable mention for me and this is this is purely a personal one um because i have a few kind of vinyl records from since i was a kid actually which have kind of been stuck up in the, my mom's loft for a while and one of them was um, a 12-inch single by Dougie Fresh. And on the A side, it's got uh, the show. And on the B side, it's got Lardy Dardy, uh, wrapped by Slick Rick. And it's been with me ever since I was a kid. And it was, I think it was the, the first like hip-hop like record I, I ever owned, uh, including CDs and, and whatnot. And um, and it might be eighties, it's probably eighties as well, actually. So um, I'm stretching rules a little bit, but yeah, Dougie Fresh has to get a bit of a a bit of a shout out for me because uh, again, possibly a lesser known one, but you know, at a time when beatbox was a was a real thing, he was like, you know, he, he was known as the human beatbox, and some of the stuff that he could do was just ridiculous. And I know beatboxing kind of went a bit out of style through the 90s but um yeah if you listen to some of his stuff it's like 
the, the stuff that he could do was just a bit a bit insane. You're like, how can someone make those kind of noises with their with their mouth? But but yeah, um, yeah, that was uh, my other uh, honorable pick. Nice, uh, Imran. Do you have any uh, strong things on Dougie Fresh and DMX? Uh, DMX, yeah, I wanted to shout a great pick. Um, he it's funny because you, I think hip hop, so particularly in the 90s, you needed people like that. You needed that inverted commas angry kind of rapper, the ones you that you you buy into, you know. And um, it, it's funny, you know, he, that was his reputation, but to me, the best song he ever made was Slipping, which was a real, you know, uh, kind yeah. of smooth, mellow. Uh, sincere and personal tune. I just think it's a masterpiece of a of, of 90s hip hop. But you know, he 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 was again. He the the stigma outweighed him a little bit in terms of he did have that rapport, but he did have that ability to just do so many different things. And um, I think we forget kind of how big he was. I think particularly in the states, he was huge uh, at that time. And um, I guess yes, it's sort of a shame. Uh, it kind of went the way it did, um, but yeah, his moment certainly can't be overlooked. I mean, he he was everywhere for a while. It was it was yeah, labels were fighting to sign him, um, and um, yeah, just he was awesome. I was I was a big fan of what he was doing at the time, and uh, uh, yeah, awesome stuff. Great pick. I I always remember him being on so many different uh, soundtracks as well. Um, and I don't know if you can add this, if this is acceptable to put in the list, because I think it came out in the noughties. But I, I love uh, X Gone Give It To You is one of the mm. best tracks because it became even more popular because it was on the re-released on the Deadpool soundtrack. <laughs> yeah. All oh, right, right. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'll, I'll just do one final honourable mention to just to kind of wrap things up, I think. Um, and I know we, we've talked about, I don't know if it's like one hit wonders is, is a bit of a, uh, a bit of an unfair um, way to look at it, but certainly kind of almost like one album wonders um, that kind of came along in the nineties that were incredible albums, but it, it felt like that, they they laid a foundation and then never really kind of um, built on it. And and another one of those is definitely um, Das FX, who um, you know their nice. you know their their first album was just uh, awesome. You know uh, they want effects is probably the most well known from them at that time. I think it was. It was getting, you know, uh, a lot of, um, yeah, a lot of airplay. But to be fair, I mean, obviously that. So that was, I think, was that was off their debut album, Dead Serious. But I feel like um, Straight Up Suicide was also uh, is a really awesome album. So if any, any, you know, either of you have kind of, you know, stuck with Dead Serious, I would say Straight Up Suicide is uh just as good the the three albums that came out after that um well actually technically sorry the the third album came out in 2003 so we can't really count that but the two albums that came out of that whole um out after that hold it down and generation fx were again uh you know decent but 
um, I think by that time it, it felt like the the hip hop world had moved on a bit. But yeah, I, I you know I, I remember kind of triumphantly coming home from uh, a record shop with my cassette of Straight Up Suicide, a very happy man well happy kid at that time <laughs> but those two I'd, straight up suicide i was so happy <laughs> i would uh i would challenge you uh you know how most of the time you listen to you know hip-hop and you listen to it enough you start to learn the lyrics and and that sort of thing yeah do you remember the lyrics to any das fx tune because i li- i listened to a bit of das fx back in the day and they used to come up with some wild shit <laughs> <laughs> and it'd be fast and it wouldn't make any sense well it makes sense but it'd be like i have no idea what you just said but it sounded fucking cool well that that is the thing i think um i kind of feel like them and maybe there was there was quite a few groups a little bit like them that had that i wouldn't say it's not mumble rap because but it was just really fast intense um yeah and- it was it was definitely not mumble rap like mumble rap that as we know it today it was not that because it was you could understand what they was like what they were saying was clear and fast but you couldn't it's kind of hard to explain yeah no without, no, without it sounding exactly, like bumble rap but yeah i know exactly what you mean because it, it Fushnikins, was, uh, the guy in the Fushnikins as well was similar to had that similar kind of style that like really rapid and buster does it a little bit as well that yeah, rapid, like fast-paced it, rap that's clear, but it's almost un, 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 understandable. That's not a word. Like, you, you can't quite understand what they're saying, but it's clear enough that it kind of forms... I'm, I'm explaining it poorly, but... yeah. No, 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 you're not. No, it, it generally... They, they had more syllables in yes. one verse than, than humanly possible. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give... <laughs> an example of it and i'm not going to try and wrap it but um they want effects there's there's one yeah. um verse which is the the jibbity jabber jaw jabbing at your funny bone um skip the oval tin i'd rather have my honeycomb or preferably <laughs> the sinsa miller let's spiggity spark the blunts um <laughs> Yeah, it, 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 and uh, what yeah, are you talking about? <laughs> it's literally their. It's almost like their brain is going thirty miles per hour faster <laughs> than the actual um, yeah. vocals. But it was. I, I think that was very much the the East Coast uh, hardcore mm. style, and that was you know one of the things I, I really liked. So many different uh, artists who were kind of in that kind of bracket. I mean, I feel like Onyx was kind of similar. I mean, Fushnikins is, is a good example. Uh, Lords of the Underground. Um, mm. I mean, even, you know, I think Nas was quite capable of, of rapping at that speed, you know, maybe Smith and West, Western. So mm. Smith and Wesson, I never understand why it's said like that. But... Um, yeah, I mean, these guys were kind of, they were, I never, again, this is something I should probably check with Optimus Grime, but they were they were sort of affiliated with EPMD as well, I believe. Um, okay. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, it, it was weird. At least they were kind of part of that or at least friends with different members of 
that group, which I think got quite nasty when because EPMD broke up and and that started another massive um, uh, series of uh, hot beef. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think they 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 did stuff with Sean Paul, Ice Cube. You know, there's quite a lot of. Um, Despite the fact I feel like they, they, they again, you know, and again, we, we've said this so many times, but uh, they never really got the, the, the love and the, um, the career that I think they should have had because at one point they were, they seemed to be uh, a massive breakout artist who were just going to keep going. But it feels like a lot of acts like them, um, some of the ones we, we've kind of reeled off already, just seemed to, you know, when it when it came to, you know, past two thousand, they died and disappeared. That was, I think, that was the only only honourable mention that I wanted to pick out because you guys have really done a stellar job in in covering everything else. I mean, obviously, I can't believe um, none of us have uh, uh, chosen Daddy Mac from the Legends Crisscross to. <laughs> I mean, maybe that's something for another episode. Well, I'm I'm waiting until we get to K so I can just do crisscross because if you're talking about Daddy Mac, you kind of have to talk about Mac Daddy. <laughs> they kind of go, you know, I'd, I'd feel Is that bad. Really, their names? Yeah. Yes, dude. Daddy how, Mac, I remember. How I do you not, Mac Daddy was the other one. Yeah. Because yeah. I think that was a theme that one was the reverse of the other, and hence like the trousers. Yeah, like the trousers and. Fucking hell. <laughs> but, could do a whole episode on them. We, we really could. Um, but yeah, I think a final shout out to Domino. Again, uh, I do remember listening to quite a lot of Domino and, and even Diplomats, I think. Um, and Debrat, I, I don't remember listening to much, but more like showing up on collaborations um does that does that sound right i don't know uh yeah yeah mm. she was with jermaine dupree and Sesso death records and uh yeah she was fairly well fairly prominent as a featured artist yeah at that period so yeah yeah and I, but i think she kind of came through more maybe like noughties than 90s but again i could be no no well, yeah. no she was she 90s was, yeah yeah she wasn't okay yeah uh, yeah, Functified was, uh, I want to say, 96, 97. Uh, okay, maybe late now, I guess. Yeah. Oh, for heaven's sake, always bailing Dan out. Okay, so Da Brat, known also under her government name, Sean Tay Harris, was born and raised in Chicago on April 14, 1974. Her debut album, Functified, came out in 94, and sold over a million copies, making her the first ever solo female rap act to receive a platinum certification. Famous for title track Functified and 97's Not Tonight, featuring Missy Elliott, Lil' Kim, Lisa Left Eye Lopez, and Angie Martinez. Dobrat also had success with Jermaine Dupree on I Think They Like Me. She is friends with Mariah Carey and featured and remixed her songs, including Lover Boy, Always Be My Baby, Honey, and many more. And despite these asshats claiming she was just a 90s hip-hop artist, she did release her third full-length album, Unrestricted, in 2000. 
DeBrat has more recently appeared on the reality TV series, The Rap Game and Growing Up Hip Hop Atlanta as a mentor to young talent. But yeah, I mean, she was, whenever I heard her um, either kind of solo or, or doing kind of collaborative stuff, I was always, uh, you know, massively impressed. But yeah, I'm pretty sure she's collaborated with Missy Elliott. Um, even probably, I don't. Again, I don't know if I've I've misremembered this, but I think she was. <laughs> she also uh, did stuff with Salt and Pepper, Ludicrous, maybe. Anyway, but yeah, I just wanted uh, to to give her a call out because, um, yeah, I think she was definitely one of the best uh, '90s female hip hop artists. Let's let's revisit what we think of Arrested Development. Um, <laughs> no, absolutely fucking not. <laughs> Tennessee, 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 Tennessee. I will shit in your slippers. Wow. Well, surely you've got a cat to do that for you, so you don't even have to. But that's, no, that's it's, it's more personal if I do it myself. Okay, well, I understand that. Well, guys, I mean, I'm pretty impressed. We got through C and D in this episode. Um, so massive amount of kudos to you both. Uh, as always, a pleasure. We will be back very soon for, well, maybe E, maybe E and F. We'll have to see. Uh, oh, dear. That's, that wasn't meant to be a joke. I love how that maybe E and F. I mean, well, well. <laughs> I'm not sure where else are we going to go with that. Well, I mean, you know, we might we could just revisit the Greek alphabet, shall we, for the next episode? <laughs> H. Um, we could skip to what? What was? Uh, uh, no, we're doing E and F, right? Just, no, we're doing E and F. We'll do K another time for Christopher. <laughs> But yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thank you both. And Thank you, Dan. Tune in soon when we get our act together and we uh, hit the letter E and the letter F. Thank you very much. Now this is a song all about how my life got flipped, turned up my brow. Whoa, wh- what? I didn't mean literally. Won't take long, just a minute, you see. We'll, we'll tell, tell you how, how we became Bert and Ernie. <laughs> Sesame Street, born and raised, learning letters, numbers, singing sunny days, growing up, moving, flying the coop, said bye-bye to my mommy off to one, two, three, stoop. There I met a grouch who didn't smell too good, told me to scram, leave the neighborhood. It was then I remembered what my mom used to say. Keep your head up, be kind, and you'll find your way. <laughs> I said hello when I got near. He said, oh, what's that? I got a banana in my ear. Want to be friends who laugh, learn, and share? Ernie pointed to the seat and said, sit right there. Showed him a paper clips. He thought they were great. Introduced him to Robert Ducky as our new roommate. One half of a whole, one part of a pair. That's the story of how we became Ernie and Bert. Put it there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Bert, that was terrific. Mm. Hey, let's go again. 
Again? Mm -hmm. What do you mean? Hold on, no. rubber ducky. No, 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 no. Yeah. Ah!